Hey, good morning. Good to see everybody today. Doing all right today? Yes, you're doing great because you're in the house of the Lord. Amen. You know, whatever your worries are, you're in the right spot. You know, one of the, the, the key issues that we all deal with is when I have struggles, when I have a problem, where do I go? You know, and you, there's any number of places you go. You go to the self-help section of the bookstore. You could turn on the internet, you know, and surf the interwebs and try to find, you know, how I can have help with my struggle. And those might be a little Band-Aid for a while. But if you want real help, if you want to find real satisfaction for your soul, you're in the right place. I want to welcome you. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, just a few announcements. If you're visiting with us, there's a QR code. And if you know how to drive one of those things, if you can scan that. When it opens up the web page on your phone, scroll down to the bottom. There's a place where you can tell us a little bit about yourself. If you're viewing online, if you've never done that before, you can do that online as well. Or you, if you're on YouTube, you can go down to the description, and there's a spot for you to click on a link. It'll take you right where I'm talking about. We just want to know that you're here with us today. And if you've never done that before, we'd love to know that you're here with us. A couple of other announcements to make tonight. Uh, we'll continue our study of Side by Side, which uh, will be in Chapter 9 tonight. We're getting closer and closer to the end of this study, and I hope it's been beneficial um, even if you haven't been able to come, I encourage you to get that book. There's a lot of really meaty stuff in there that will help you. Uh, if you want to participate, as we're all called to, in one another ministry at the church. A few other announcements. Uh, next Sunday, there's a couple of, of things that, one that we might want to miss, and another one where we unavoidably um, can't miss. There's a business meeting. And I know when I say business meeting, my kids are so excited. <laughs> And I hope that, that you want to be here because there's lots of great things going on in our church. And you may not be aware of a lot of them. And uh, business meeting is more than just business. We talk about a lot of things, a lot of really important things. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that. The agenda is posted in the foyer. If you want to get an item of business on the agenda, just make sure you see me before Wednesday. Uh, you might avoid that, but you can't avoid what's coming next Sunday morning, daylight savings time. Don't forget to spring forward. And all God's people said, rumble, 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 <laughs> right? All right, but just don't forget that. There are a couple of mission trips that our church is um, trying to recruit people for. One is the Arctic Barnabas Ministries mission trip. And if you're interested in that, the information is there in the bulletin. There's also the Wisconsin Summer Mission Trip. If you're interested in that, um, then there's information in the bulletin as well. Contact information, all sorts of things, and hopefully you'll find what you need uh, once you look in those areas. Um, last week, there was a half sheet of paper in, that was stuffed in the bulletin. There's a few extras on the back table, and we're looking for uh, helpers for VBS. And so if you're interested in helping with VBS, one thing it doesn't say on here uh, is that June 4 to 8 is when our VBS is, but it's in the evening. So if you work, you might think, well, morning VBS, I can't help. It's in the evening. Uh, and so generally 545 to 730 or 8 o'clock. So that might uh, pique your interest if you know that you can get off work, come, and get a meal. Because we, we normally feed, uh, have a meal before we have VBS. So if that gives you an opportunity to work, make sure you grab one of these off the back table, fill it out, and just drop it in that basket back there. 
Um, one last announcement. Uh, I received something, or the church received something in the mail from uh, something I've never heard of, an organization I've never heard of before. It's called Clearview Family Resources. Uh, there's going to be an informational meeting about Clearview Family Resources tomorrow night at 6 o'clock in the 122 building on the square, 122 South Cherokee Street. Clearview is a new Christ-centered resource center, Christ-centered resource center being established to help families in San Saba and the surrounding counties. Our mission is to provide a clear view of pro-family, pro-life, and pro-community, thus helping local communities grow healthy individuals and families. They have a goal, some, some goals to provide uh, free pregnancy and ultrasound tests, information and literature about pregnancy options, uh, resources for prenatal care, so on and so forth. Um, they, uh, they're going to obtain a, an ultrasound machine and training for up to six nurses, uh, and they're going to secure a lease of the former Baylor Scott and White Clinic space uh, to be the home of Clearview. The desire is to stand in the gap for the unborn, demonstrate the unconditional love of Christ to our community, and empower parents through mentoring, training, and prayer, thus building a stronger family unit and community. I hope that sounds exciting to you. Uh, this is the first in San Saba County that I've ever heard of something like this, but I, I just may be unaware. This is exciting. So if you're interested, uh, and it, you know, it's, it says, we would like to invite you and your church family. So everyone is encouraged to go to this. I plan to go, and I hope that, uh, that you, maybe you skip, have supper be a little bit later uh, tomorrow night and, and be a part of this. Um, are there any other announcements that we need to make at this time? All right, well, let's stand. And if you'll put our call to worship on the screen, we're continuing to memorize portions of Scripture. We're done with Psalm 37. Uh, that was our memory verse for today. Our memory verse for this coming week uh, is from Hebrews 12.1. So let's say this together as a call to worship. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let's worship our Lord and Savior.
seated if we could have the children come forward for the children's sermon. Somebody told me that somebody has a birthday tomorrow. Who is that? You? Well, happy birthday. How old are you, 16? 12. All right. Um, you know, I've been blessed to be able to travel to lots of wonderful places, and I know that there are probably people out here that have seen a lot more of the world than I have, but um, I've been to Hawaii and Alaska and Montana, all over the United States. I've been to the Virgin Islands, to St. Croix and St. John and St. Thomas. Let's see, I've been to England and France and Germany and Switzerland and Austria and Liechtenstein. I've been to the Middle East. Have you been all over the world? I have not been all over the world, and yet <laughs> I've been to these wonderful places. Most recently, you all know, I've been to Africa. I've been to Kenya and Uganda, and I even stuck my toe over into Tanzania just for a minute. But all of the wonderful places I've been, there is nothing as beautiful or magnificent as what I find when I hang out in the pages of this book. This is literally God's word, God's love letter to us. And this is where we go to know who he is. And so this is where I go every week whenever some silly thought crosses my mind like dead chickens or whatever that I want to talk to you guys about. Um, so last week there was something, I don't even remember now exactly what it was, that I wanted to talk to you about. What is this? A tree. A tree. What, what else is there about a tree that you can't see in this picture? The roots, exactly. What do the roots of a tree do? They get water. They make the tree grow, that's right, because the food, the nutrients out of the soil are stored in the roots of the tree. And they also anchor the tree. If, a, if the wind came along and there were no roots, this tree would just fall over, wouldn't it? So it anchors the tree and it feeds the tree. And it also, the roots also keep the soil from washing out from around it. So if, if the soil washed out, the tree would fall over. There wouldn't be any nutrients or food for the tree. So whatever the thought was that I was thinking last week, I told Brother Shannon last Sunday, I think that in seminary they should teach an entire course on trees. Because when I went to my Bible and I started searching for um, work references to trees, you know what? I found something on almost every page about trees. And so, on, like on the very first page of the Bible in Genesis, God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, 
plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them. And it was so. And you just turn one page over and it says, And the Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden. And there he planted the man whom he had formed. And his name was what? Uh, Adam. Adam. Right, so that's where he put Adam down in the garden. And out of the ground, the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. Uh, the tree of life is in the midst of the garden. Then when I turn to the very last page of the Bible, it says in Revelation, and he showed me a river of the water of life. That's a, a river that's flowing in the new Jerusalem in heaven, in the <laughs> heavenly city. And guess what? That tree of life is there growing in heaven. Then if you turn right to the middle of the Bible, one of the prophets, Jeremiah, says, Blessed, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream so it can get water and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a, rear, a year of drought. So what he's saying, he didn't say we're a tree, did he? I, I thought last week I was going to have y'all stand up and act like you were trees. And your legs could be roots and your arms could be branches. And we were just going to have a whole little <coughs> mot of trees up here. He doesn't say we are a tree. He says we'll be like a tree if we trust in him. Because like a tree, if we have a year of drought and there's no rain, that tree isn't going to worry because it's planted by a stream and it has plenty of water to keep its leaves green. And it's not going to fear. It's going to have uh, constant nourishment from its roots. Our roots are in God. And we are blessed when we trust in the Lord and get to know him through his word. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the lessons that are around us every single day. Father, help us to go to your word to learn to just hang out in the beauty of your word to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Isaiah 44, verses 1 through 8. But now hear, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen, thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you from the womb and will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant. Jeshurun, whom I have chosen, for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They shall spring up upon the grass like willows by a flowing stream. This one will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call upon the name of Jacob. And another will write on his hand, the Lord's. In the name himself, by the name of Israel. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, by his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, 
I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me, since I have appointed an ancient people. Let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from the old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. If you would, please stay up. Yeah. 
we have our ushers come forward at this time to receive the offering. Um, I want to let you know, um, it actually creeped up on me, and I don't know why I didn't have it in my calendar, but this week begins the prayer for North American Missions. It's that time of year when we give to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. And so in the back, um, you will find a prayer guide. And it starts today, day one, runs all the way through day eight, next Sunday. So it's actually eight days of prayer time. So I encourage you to take this and, and put it in your Bible. So when you have your morning prayer time, that you take this and uh, you read day one and take an opportunity to pray or whatever day it is in the week. And you pray for the things that each of these missionaries have requested prayer for. So I want to encourage you to, to do that. Um, and then be prepared to give. We'll start publicizing more next week about what our goal is. Be videos to remind us how God is using the money that we donate for the work of the gospel in North America. And so make sure you grab one of these when you leave. Um, who's praying this morning? Paul, lead us in a word of prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we can come together and worship you, Lord. We, we pray for those, Lord, that are sick and cannot be here. Uh, we do pray that uh, for the next few moments that we put aside any distractions that we have and just devote this time to you, Lord. And at this time, we just pray for a good batch of fortune that you would bless those for us. In your son's name.
Amen. If you would please take your copy of God's Word and turn to Psalm 63. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, you should find one somewhere around you, one of the pews. It's a black hardback uh, edition of God's Word. Uh, And if you'll turn from the front of the Bible to page 418, page 418. Patrick, are the monitors off? Can you bump up the main? Put it to where it normally goes? How about? I don't feel like I'm coming through very loud. All right. Well, if you would please stand for the reading of God's Word. You'll notice that this morning I'm, I'm actually beginning with the title. Uh, like I did in a, in a previous sermon that came from Psalms. And I want to remind you that the title is not part of the original text. Uh, it's not inspired. But we have enough information to go on to know that David was being chased by Saul. You know, there was a, there was a period in David's life before he rose to the kingship of Israel that he was, at, he was Saul's frenemy. Sometimes he was a friend, sometimes he was an enemy. Most of the time, an enemy. And so David is on the run from Saul. So we'll start with the title and I'll read all of Psalm 63. A Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thus I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live, and I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek my life to destroy it will go into the depths of the earth. They will be delivered over to the power of the sword. They will be a prey for foxes. But the king will rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him will glory. For the mouths of those who speak lies will be stopped. Let's pray together. Lord God, if if your Holy Spirit right now for the next 30, 35 minutes does not come and sit with us and illuminate to our hearts and our minds the truth of Scripture, then we're just talking about a poem. But Lord, we know that you meant this for our edification. Through it, you will strengthen your people. But Lord, we come needy to the task. We cannot come to this on our own expecting that we're going to understand everything here and we'll be able to apply everything here. No, we are weak people. So we come trusting that you grant the gift of the Holy Spirit and his illuminating power to draw our hearts to this text, to be uh, 
just in love with what it has to say, that it grabs our hearts so that we might savor the truth that's here and that we might make it our own. God, we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. We're in a sermon series on loving the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and then loving your neighbor as yourself. Because Jesus says that the second commandment, which is is like unto it, they are intimately connected. So we have come through a section on the heart, and now we are concluding this morning a section on how to love the Lord our God with all of our soul. Last week, I want to draw attention to this, uh, because we, we, we talked about uh, how Christ, when there, He wanted there to be absolutely no confusion about what it meant to love Him. And loving Him means that you deny yourself, you take up your cross, and you follow Him. Because if you fail to do this, you can gain the whole world and lose your soul. So when we consider denying ourselves, taking up our cross, which basically means we're putting ourselves to death and following Christ, we might, there might be a part of us, and just being honest, that would say, that doesn't sound too fun. Now I realize that. That when you talk about just deny, 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 part of the question might be, okay, what is, what's the end game? If I deny myself, if I, if I put myself to death so that I might follow Christ, what's that going to lead to? And I want to say today that if, you, if we dovetail last week, this, this week into last week, we'll find that it's not only denying yourself, but it's embracing and being satisfied in Christ. In Luke chapter 11, verses 24 to 26, Jesus tells this parable. He says, When the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. Okay, so let me stop right there. You picture a house. He's talking about the human soul. And if we decide, we desire to deny ourselves and to put sin to death, It's like what's happening here. The unclean spirit is going out. But notice what Jesus says. He says, When it goes to these waterless places seeking rest and not finding any, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And guess what it finds? It finds it swept and put in order. Then it goes and takes along seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they go in and live there, and the last state of that man becomes worse than the first Here's the point of what Jesus is saying. There is a denying. There is a purging. There is a crucifying of self and sin. But if you stop there, there is a a possibility that you could become worse than what you were before you started the denial of self, the crucifixion of self. Because having denied self, you failed to fill yourself. That's what I want to follow up with today. You talked about last week, boy, denying yourself, taking up your cross, that doesn't sound fun. But if you know that the end game is that you will come to know Christ, come to know the Lord, 
in a deeper way and that your soul will be satisfied and you will be filled, then you'll think all of that denying, all of that crucifying of self was worth it because I have tasted and I have seen that the Lord is good. I broke up this morning's text into three sections and I'm going to assume that all of us who are Christians, I don't know that all of you in here are Christians, so I I can't speak on your behalf, but if you're a Christian, I assume that you want to love the Lord your God with all your soul. And if you want to love the Lord with all your soul, then you have to start from the right place. Notice what David says. Before I get there, I want to tell you this story. Some of you were there a few years back at the regional track meet. There was the 400-meter girls dash, and they ran the race, and everybody went, wow. Everybody was so fast in that race. That's unbelievable. They started from the wrong place. (laughs) They started one stagger, maybe I'm right, one stagger ahead of what they were supposed to. See, when you start from the wrong place, things don't go right. Notice what David says. This is his starting place in Psalm 63, verse 1. He says, Oh God, you are my God. Oh God, you are my God. When God gave the Ten Commandments to His people at Mount Sinai, the very first commandment He gave was this. You shall have no other gods before me. The second was in Exodus 20, verses 4 and 5, and he says, You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Do you notice here that David's starting point is God's starting point? God is telling his people at Sinai, you are my God and you are to have none before me. And David has said to God, God, you are my God and I will set none before you. It's futile for us to put other gods, quote unquote gods, before God. It's starting from the wrong place. Isaiah records these words. From the Lord Himself in chapter 42, verse 8. God says, I'm the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. To love the Lord your God with all your soul, you have to start from the right place. You have to say, Oh God, you are my God. But we know our history well enough in the scriptures to know that that Israel had a history of idolatry. In the Pilgrim's Progress, Christian is making a journey to the celestial city. And there is a city that he has to go through before he gets to the celestial city. And that city is Vanity Fair. It has all of the attractions and desires a person could offer. Many people 
And you realize that, that Pilgrim's Progress is an allegory. It's an allegory for the Christian life. We can put ourselves in Christian shoes and know that every day we walk through Vanity Fair. And it wants to steal our hearts from God. It wants to direct our eyes off of Him and onto something earthly and temporal. Israel had that same problem. Not only would idols steal their heart because they seem to offer something in the, in the right now. When Israel would run into trouble, they would, of all things, they would ally themselves with other nations and their gods instead of resting in the Lord. Jeremiah 2, verses 11, and 13, 11 to 13. God says this, Has a nation changed gods when they were not gods? But my people have changed their glory from that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this, and shudder and be very desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. You identify with that? Sometimes we get our eyes off of the Lord and His glory and His power and we begin to look to other things to fill the cistern in our soul and it just leaks and it just leaks and, and the things that we put in there cannot satisfy. Now David, he has said, Oh God, you are my God. And remember where David is. He's in the wilderness. He's on the run from Saul and he says in verse 1, at the end of verse 1, that he's in a dry and weary land where there is no water. He is not in the easiest place to be. But in that moment, David makes no alliance with another God. He says, you are my God. In the, in the Hebrew, the word are is not there. You, my God. You could, I think this is not out of bounds, you could say you equals my God. My God equals you. Flip it around. Either way, that's the way we're supposed to understand it. Not David is not saying you are one of my gods. You're, you're one of the gods that I serve. No, that would be spiritual adultery. And that's what God convicted of his people of over and over. You have committed adultery against me. I am your heavenly husband and you have chased against all you chased after all these idols and you've committed adultery against me. See our hearts are idol factories. That's, that's from John John Calvin. When we realize that our hearts are idol factories and we know we want to love the Lord our God with all our soul, we want to start from the right place then we have to ruthlessly destroy all the idols in our lives. So otherwise, we will not be able to say, Oh God, you are my God. We will not be able to start in the right place. And we've got to do so in such a way that we don't give ourselves a way out. Here's what I mean by that. In, in the days of exploration... In, in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. You know, that time period. And, 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 and countries would send out people to a foreign land to colonize them. When they arrived in the New World, sometimes, and I, I don't hear this all the way across the board, but sometimes they would do something that in our minds sounds so crazy. 
but they would burn the ships that they arrived in. Oh, why did they do that? They didn't want to give themselves a way out. They didn't want to say, this is too tough, I'm going to go back. No, Christian, listen to me. If we're going to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, we must say, oh God, you are my God. And that be as true as we can make it. By killing all the idols in our life and by burning the ships and giving ourselves no way out. I think that's what David's doing. He's not giving himself a way out. Well, secondly, we're going to love the Lord our God with all our soul. We must seek Him earnestly. Notice what David says in verse 1. He says, I shall seek you earnestly. That word for earnestly in the New American Standard or whichever version you're using, it's, it literally means early. It means, God, I'm so eager it's like Joey on the first day of hunting season. I don't have to get him up. He's ready to go. Come on, Dad, I'm waiting on you. We're backing up here. David says, God, you don't have to get me up. I seek you early. I get up early in the morning because I want you. Notice that this, is, this indicates a strong desire. Notice how David says the strong desire he has. He says, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. That word for soul is the Hebrew word nephesh. It actually means throat or neck. Now that may seem weird to you, but, but the Hebrews didn't have a, an, an idea of the soul. That's kind of a, a Greek philosophical uh, construct, but, but it's biblical. I don't, I don't want to make you think that we're, we as Christians are assuming Greek philosophy into our, into our faith. But the word for soul means throat or neck. You ever get thirsty? Ever get hungry? Where, where do you address that? You, it goes through your, your, your throat, your neck. Now David is talking about something that is spiritual. So, so how does the soul thirst for God? How does the flesh yearn for God? First of all, we have to realize that David, in talking about soul and flesh, he's, he's talking about the fact that we are a body that has a soul and that we're not just... Um, our relationship with God is not merely spiritual. It can be so deep that we feel it in our body. It's almost like we're thirsty. I'll get to that in verse 5. But we were created to be in a relationship with God. But sin, Adam's sin in the garden fractured that relationship. So if we're going to seek him earnestly, the first step is to believe that the finished work of Christ restores and reconciles that relationship and brings us into relationship with Christ. But that's not the end. You see, we'll still have to fight against our flesh and the temptations of this world and seek God alone. Now, when David says in verse 1, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh yearns for you, does that sound foreign to you? Now, I'm not saying that to make any of us feel badly about ourselves, but to say that so often we are prone to look to earthly things to quench a thirst only God can quench. To satisfy fleshly yearning only God can satisfy. I wonder if this statement is not, is not true. 
we may be one of the most overstimulated people in the history of the world. To the point where we don't know that our soul is thirsty. That we don't know that our flesh yearns for God. So we must seek Him earnestly. Why do we seek Him? In order to see Him. David, verse 2, he says, Thus I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. See, when our soul thirsts and our flesh yearns for God, what we need is to see His power and His glory. Now, you can step outside and see God's power and glory. You can see it anywhere. David says that that he sees... uh, the, the truth about God written in the heavens. The heavens declare the glory of God. But the clearest display of God's glory is where he dwells with his people. Notice what David says. I have seen you in the sanctuary. That is the place for Israel that heaven meets earth. So how do you see God? No man can see God and live. We've heard that numerous times in the scriptures. He's holy. So, so did David see God? Well, no. David didn't see God. He saw his power and his glory. We don't see the wind. We see the effect that the wind has on trees. Or when it blows mud onto our vehicles this last week. We see its power. So where do we go to see God's power and glory? We go to Christ. In John 1.14 John says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And in 14.9, Jesus says, "All he who has seen me has seen the Father. Well, I still haven't seen Jesus. You haven't either. Peter recognized that to some people he wrote to. In 1 Peter 1.8, he says, And though you have not seen him, you love him. So if we want to see Christ, we need to pray what Paul prays in Ephesians 1, verses 18 and 19. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory. And of the inheritance of his saints. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. See, we like David, we can see God's power and glory. When the eyes of our hearts are enlightened to see the power and glory of Christ. And having seen him, we seek him in order to savor him. Notice David finds such such satisfaction in God. He says in verse 3, Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. Notice over and over and over in this text the word you. David is so God focused. When he says your loving kindness is better than life, he's talking about God's covenant love. It's the word hesed. If you are in covenant with God, you have his covenant love. And if you are not in covenant with God, you do not enjoy that love. Also in verse 5, listen to how David is satisfied in God. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness. He said, God, you are better than the best cooked banana pudding you could put in your mouth. 
You are better than the best steak. You are better than the finest drink. There is nothing on earth. We put good things in our mouth and we go, "Mm, mm, mm, isn't that good? But David is saying, God, you're you're better than that. And notice he uses the word, uh, your loving kindness is, I'm sorry, um, my soul is satisfied as with. He said, my soul and my flesh are satisfied with you just like I've had a great meal. And David gives evidence of that satisfaction in God, both in his soul and in his flesh. He says in verse 3, my lips will praise you. He says in verse 4, so I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Verse 5, he says, my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. Verse 6, when I remember you on my bed, when I wake up and you come into my mind, I meditate on you. In other words, I talk to myself about you. I think about you in the watches of the night. He says, you've been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I sing for joy. Do you hear David's satisfaction? He has seen the Lord and he is savoring the Lord. David says, well, he doesn't say this, but I think it's worth saying this about David. He's not a paid spokesperson. He's a satisfied customer. You know, there's a difference between a paid, a paid uh, spokesperson and a satisfied customer. A paid spokesperson, they're going to get paid and they're going to say, I love this product. But a satisfied customer says, I've used it. I know it works. I like it. I recommend it to you. So if we're going to love the Lord with all our soul, we must seek Him earnestly. Jeremiah 29, 13. Jeremiah says... Uh, The Lord says through Jeremiah, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. You might think, "I'm just cross me off right there. With all of my heart, I understand. But I want you to listen to this note from a study Bible. It says, not sinless perfection, but wholehearted sincerity, engaging the mind, affections, and the will. The Lord assures genuine seekers that they will find him. In John 4, verses 13 to 15, when Jesus met the woman at the well in Samaria, he said this, everyone who drinks of this water, talking about himself, will thirst again. I'm sorry, talking about the well, will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. And then this lady says, sir, give me this water so I'll not be thirsty nor come all the way down here to draw. Jesus can give us a kind of satisfaction that this world cannot give. And when he gives it, we'll be like this woman. Because when she drew, when she finally understood who Jesus was, and she left, there was the well of eternal life just bubbling over in her. Finally, and I'm trying to speed up. If we're going to love the Lord with all our soul, we must set our hope on his salvation remember that David is in the wilderness he's on the run from Saul but in verse 8 notice he doesn't put his trust in himself he sets his hope on God's salvation he says my soul clings to you in John chapter 6 Jesus has talked 
to the crowd and has said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no place with me. And that turned so many people off that, that many, many people left. It says as a result of this... Uh, as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the twelve, You do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We must set our hope on him. That there's no place else we can go. Paul, when he was doing his mission work, had a traveling companion named Demas. In 2 Timothy 4, verse 10, it says, Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me. I think things got a little hard. Now, David is in a hard place. And Demas' heart, Demas's heart wasn't truly set on the hope of God's salvation. When we say that we hope, we have to remember what Paul says in Romans 8, 24. He says, For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes in what he already sees? David says, I cling to you. I'm looking towards your salvation. I'm hoping in something that I have not yet seen. And look in verse 11. He says, but the king will rejoice in God. The king, David, king of Israel. He's not king of Israel yet, but he will be. He knows he's going to be king. But David says... I'm I'm not going to trust in me. Lord, I'm going to trust in you. He doesn't put his hope on his own ability to save, but God's. And and, and, And from that perspective, David looks forward to how God is going to save him. Verse 9, But those who seek my life to destroy it will go into the depths of the earth. They'll be delivered over to the power of the sword. They'll be a prey for foxes. In other words, they'll be roadkill. But the king will rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him will glory for the mouths of those who speak lies will be stopped. David trusts. He sets his hope on the salvation that he can't see yet. Now I want you to notice something. Notice the order that David uses in this psalm. He starts from the right place. Oh God, you are my God. Next comes, seek God earnestly, I I shall seek you earnestly, and then set your hope on his salvation. Now when we get into a hard place, we are prone to do what? Put salvation first. We want to put salvation first and be satisfied in that. But friends, do we understand that when we do that, it deprives us of the joy of seeking God? And seeing his power and his glory and savoring that, being satisfied in him and growing in our hope of salvation. So, friend, it could be that today, Christian, you've got things out of order. You've got the salvation first, and the other stuff seems to be maybe optional to you. Put salvation, the hope in salvation, put it in its proper place. Say, Oh God, you are my God. Seek him earnestly. And set your hope on something you can't see. Now, if, you're a, if you aren't a Christian, now David's got the order right. Actually, you've got to put salvation first. Then the other comes. In order to love God with all your soul, you've, you've got to be saved first. Then you pursue Him. So start in the right place. 
Seek Him earnestly. To see Him. To savor Him. Set your hope on His salvation. Don't trust in your own ability and resources to save. Satisfy yourself in God. And love Him with all your soul. Take up your cross. Deny yourself. Follow Christ. Satisfy yourself in Christ. Be like Paul. Maybe this is the prayer that you you say, God, I want this to be a reality in my life. Paul says to depart and be with Christ is very much better. If I had to choose between staying here and going to be with Jesus, to depart and be with Christ is very much better. Listen to how he talks about knowing Christ. He says, I count all things to be lost in in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. We're going to sing the song, Give Me Jesus, here in just a moment. And it may mean different things to different people in here. For some of you, it may mean, Lord, I realize that I'm not saved. And apart from Christ, I have no hope. And maybe that's where you need to begin is, Lord, give, give me Jesus. I know, I know that he died so that I might have life, and I, I want that life, and I want to know you. But it could be that what you need to say today is, Lord, I, I have, there are so many things. I've gotten lazy about my soul. And I've allowed so many things to come in and take my eyes off of you. Would you, Lord, give me Jesus? Would you stand and let me lead us in a word of prayer? Father, I do pray that whatever decision needs to be made by all of these people today, that they will trust in your spirit and your guidance and your wisdom and will follow you faithfully. In Christ's name, amen. Let's sing together. Would you be seated for just a moment? We'll take a look at our prayer list briefly. Um, I don't know that I have any real updates to pass along uh, since since Wednesday. Just want to remind you that uh, ones that we keep bringing up over and over, Addie Webster, Judge White, um, Alicia Morales. Do, do you want to give an update on your mom? Yes. Okay. So remove two obstructions. And she will begin chemo next week. Um, All right. Um, 
Connie Lynn finished up treatments this week and is going to start a couple of medications. Yeah, but they feel good about, about how the treatment's going. Okay. All right. Do you have any update on, on uh, um, Porter I, and Rita? I did hear from my sister yesterday, and the biopsy did show that my sister-in-law, Rita, does have cancer. Okay. Um, Pancreatic? They, pancreatic is what I understand. Um, they are headed to, they left Mississippi yesterday and they are headed to MD Anderson because Porter has more work he has to do and so they've already got Rita's records there and they're praying that they will have her seen as well. And that, that's really all, all I know about it so far. Okay. And she's not here right now, but she's been on our prayer list, little Clara Romero. She was the little young in here. Remind me why she was on the list. Okay, born way too early. And she had been in the hospital for several weeks. We got her this weekend, and she's doing better. Great, wonderful. What about um, your, your folks? Any other uh, updates you might want to pass along or prayer requests? You know, it, this is not just a time for updates. If you have, if you have a need, you can bring it to the church. We'll be glad to pray for you. All right, then. Well, let's stand, and I'll say a closing prayer. We will say the Great Commission together, and we'll be dismissed. Let's pray. Father, we we do realize, um, you know, the people that we lift. We just mentioned people to whom uh, we're lifting them up in prayer to you. Uh, they're, they're in a tough place. And, and they may need the very words that you spoke to us this morning, Psalm 63. I pray that, that, that Lord, that if they don't know you as Savior and Lord, uh, that they could one day say, Oh God, you are my God. Lord, if, they, if their hearts are restless and they're trying to find something else to, to, to give them hope. Lord, settle their hearts that they might truly say, Oh God, you are my God. I seek you. I trust in you. I turn to you. I wait for your salvation. I want to be satisfied in you. And Lord, I trust that if they become satisfied in you, that uh, that will change how uh, they go through this wilderness time. Nevertheless, Lord, knowing that each person has some serious issues. We pray that you would be to them a rock, an anchor, a comfort, a peace, and do so in a way that shows that you are the one true God and that they truly have no place else that they could go to find what you alone can give them. We pray your richest blessings upon them, that you would meet their needs in accordance with your riches. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's say the Great Commission together. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority.